0: Well, thanks for listening to I've Got News For You. If you like it, hit follow or subscribe in your app and you'll get a new episode from us every morning. The 7th of December 2022.
1: ADHD has long been associated with children, but more adults are now reaching out for help from news.com.au.
0: I'm Andrew Buckleau and I've Got News For You. Well, as you heard just a second ago, a growing number of Aussie adults are being diagnosed with ADHD. And in today's episode, we're going to find out why. Now, what's concerning is that there are plenty of other people out there with ADHD who aren't coming forward for treatment.
2: Roughly two and a half percent of the population by population prevalence rates uh, will have ADHD. And we know the diagnosis rates in Australia are much less than that still.
0: So in this episode we're going to find out what the symptoms are and what you have to do to get a diagnosis and we'll also discover why it could be dangerous to let the condition go untreated. Alright, we'll get underway in just a moment. ADHD has been a diagnosis for more than 30 years, but lately, it's been getting a lot of attention. Why, you ask? Well, the first reason is due to social media, with millions of hashtag ADHD videos increasing awareness of the condition. I'm
1: going to give you 17 questions that I actually ask my patients when I am assessing them for ADHD. Do you have trouble focusing or find yourself daydreaming often? No matter how hard you try, do you find yourself constantly being late or are you excessively early because you're so afraid of being late? Do you find that you often feel overwhelmed in loud and busy environments? ADHD myths, people with ADHD can't focus. I don't even know where to start
0: with this one. We can't focus on things that don't grab us, that we can't connect with, but there are some things that we do like that we are so focused in on that it is actually physically and mentally hard to pull us away. Another thing that's boosted ADHD awareness is the number of celebrities who've spoken openly about their diagnosis in adulthood, including Mia Friedman. I didn't even think it was something adults could
1: have. I thought it was something kids had.
0: And M. Rusciano.
3: Being diagnosed with ADHD at 42 profoundly changed my core beliefs about myself. I was forced to peel back carefully, constructed layer after layer And at times it revealed a terrifying fragility. It ripped open scars I didn't know I had and it triggered enormous grief. I felt a deep sadness for that precocious, curious and chaotic 10 year old girl who desperately wanted to get things right. The girl who tried hard all of the time and who just wanted to be like everyone else.
0: Here to tell us more about ADHD and why there's been an increase in the number of adults getting diagnosed is Professor Mark Belgrove from Monash University. Mark, thanks for coming on the podcast. To begin with, what exactly is ADHD and how does it affect those who have it?
2: So ADHD is what we call a neurodevelopmental condition, uh, which means its onset is early in life. And the main symptoms that people with ADHD present with uh, excessive levels of inattention on the one hand, so problems paying attention, distractibility, concentration problems, and on the other hand, excessive levels of uh, hyperactivity uh, or impulsivity. And hyperactivity is the, I guess, the stereotypical uh, image of a child who's constantly on the go, uh, very energetic, uh, has a lot of trouble uh, sitting still. And the impulsivity can be problems with uh, controlling. Uh, behaviour, for example, blurting out answers in class uh, sort of in an uncontrolled way. And
0: is it true that more and more adults are getting diagnosed with ADHD nowadays in Australia?
2: Yes, certainly um, adult diagnoses of ADHD uh, are on the rise. Uh, Largely, this is because uh, awareness of ADHD is uh, increasingly becoming more prevalent. Uh, And what that means is that adults are coming forward for diagnoses more than they have before. Uh, But this is, uh, we think, still largely uh, representing an underdiagnosis of adult ADHD in the Australian population. Uh, Roughly two and a half percent of the population by population prevalence rates will have ADHD and we know the diagnosis rates uh, in Australia are much less than that still.
0: So there are some people listening right now who are adults and are probably thinking, you know, I might have ADHD. What is the process to get diagnosed here in Australia?
2: The first thing I'd say to that, Andrew, is we need to look at two aspects when we're talking about diagnosis. One is the symptoms, and many folks uh, may know that uh, there are checklists that one can uh, look at, and you know that you see these on TikTok and all, all over social media these days, and they will ask you questions about, do you have uh, problems with X, Y, or Z? The important point for diagnosis is it requires more than just the presence of those symptoms. I could have Uh, some symptoms of ADHD, but the important point is to what extent they are having a functional impact on my life and causing impairment. And so the presence of symptoms on the one hand, and also the functional impairment that those symptoms are having on the individual is the prerequisite for a diagnosis. So you can't achieve a diagnosis if you're not really suffering Uh, from the symptoms and they're not causing impairment. So I think that's very important uh, to get across. We're not just talking about mild symptoms here. We're talking about symptoms that have a really negative impact on the person's functioning. So in terms of achieving a diagnosis uh, in adulthood, the pathway is a fairly typical one for uh, medical conditions in the sense that the first port of call will be your GP and your GP will need to give you a referral either to a psychologist who specialises in a diagnosis of ADHD or an adult psychiatrist uh, who is also uh, trained in being able to make uh, a diagnosis of ADHD. They're the the two professions uh, that deal with diagnosis in adulthood.
0: Um, I've heard reports that around the country, the wait list to actually get an appointment with one of these specialists to get a diagnosis as an adult is quite long. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, that is accurate, and it's really uh, a point of concern uh, for us and for everyone uh, in the discipline who's involved in treating and diagnosing ADHD. The wait list can be up to a year, and this is, I think, really important for the public uh, to understand that ADHD in adulthood is not treated within the public health system uh, really at all, and what that means is people need to wait to get appointments for either a private uh, psychiatrist or a private psychologist, and those waitlist times are long, and the uh, appointments are inevitably uh, reasonably expensive because there is no no public treatment. This is something that really has to change. It's a massive, massive point of health inequity uh, for folks with ADHD that there's no public treatment in adulthood.
0: Now, as Mark mentioned just a minute ago, it's likely there are plenty of Aussies out there with ADHD who haven't yet been diagnosed. In just a moment, he's going to reveal why it could actually be dangerous to let the condition go untreated. Australians than ever are being diagnosed and prescribed medication for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, otherwise known more commonly as ADHD. Well, Professor Mark Belgrove, let's chat about medication. What do people with ADHD get treated with, and what do the meds do for them?
2: Sure. So medication is is common if people uh, have impairing levels of symptoms and meet the diagnostic threshold. Uh, medication is common both for uh, children and adults. Uh, the medications are uh, typically uh, either of two types. One a class of medication are called um, psychostimulant medications, and so these are medications that uh, predominantly stimulate uh, dopamine uh, and noradrenaline in the, in the brain. And the other class are really non-stimulant medications, and they uh, also uh, work on noradrenaline in the brain and help uh, with attentional focus, uh, concentration. And, you know, they can have really quite dramatic effects on the person with ADHD. And, you know, we often say that these medications uh, not only are life-changing, in many cases they can uh, really be life-saving for folks with ADHD. The medication can really bring about uh, a massive change.
1: So I took my ADHD medication for the first time this morning. I thought you people were lying when you said it works in seconds. This is a representation of what happened. This is my brain normally. That's what goes on in my head. This is what my head sounds like. Then I took the medication. I have never concentrated so hard in my life. I walked across the room and all I was focusing on was what my feet and my legs were doing. I wasn't thinking anything else other than walking. Normally, I'm thinking about 20 things at one time.
0: What happens if ADHD goes untreated in adults?
2: Okay, so I think that's a a really good question because, um, you know, it's important that people who need a diagnosis and treatment do get access to it because the consequences of ADHD uh, going untreated can unfortunately be uh, not good. So we know... For example, that people with ADHD, particularly when untreated, are at an increased risk uh, for developing uh, substance use disorders so that it may be, for example, a problem with alcohol. Uh, we know that, for example, the likelihood of folks who are untreated having uh, traffic accidents, for example, is increased. Uh, and so all these uh, negative consequences of ADHD and the, and the symptoms of ADHD can be dramatically reduced by uh, effective uh, medical and psychological uh, treatments of the disorders. The problems for the person as well in terms of their own self-esteem and their own mental health, et cetera, can really be dramatically reduced.
0: Last question, Mark. What would your message be to the federal government about ADHD in adults?
2: My message is pretty clear. Really, the time has come when we need to view ADHD like we would view any other form of of mental illness you know we have are you okay day we're used to asking about anxiety uh, and depression we're used to checking in with people regarding their uh, mental health and supporting them but we haven't yet reached uh, the level uh, in society that we're as comfortable talking about uh, adhd and checking in with it in the same way and as a result it has not reached the same level of priority uh, within the government and within the the funding systems that it needs to. And as a result, we have this situation uh, where we have health inequities and folks with ADHD aren't able to access uh, diagnosis and treatment as readily uh, as for other conditions. And I think really that has to change. Uh, It can't stand. It's not uh, an equitable uh, situation. And really we're missing an opportunity here to maximise the potential of all these folks within society uh, and, and, you know, allow them to live healthy, happy, productive uh, lives that are really going to contribute effectively to Australian society. And I think it has to change. It can't go on.
0: In just a moment, we're going to meet a woman who had to see nine doctors before she was correctly diagnosed with ADHD, and she's going to reveal how that diagnosis has changed her life. Well, welcome back to I've Got News For You. Now, Jen Hankin is one of the thousands of Aussies who wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until she was an adult. Jen, thanks for coming on the podcast. Now, from what I understand, it was a pretty frustrating process for you to try and get a proper diagnosis. What can you tell me about it?
1: It has been just absolutely ludicrous. (laughs) Um, So... I started seeing psychologists when I was seven, and the very first diagnosis that I attracted was overactive imagination. Mm -hmm. Um, And then throughout my schooling and then university, I frequently accessed the psychology services that were like the quote unquote free psychology services that were made available to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, These people kept telling me that I was depressed, and I said, well, D- yeah, that's a symptom, but also there's something else here because depression treatment would be working if I was depressed and it, it clearly is not and mm. I am getting worse. Um, kind of the first breakthrough was with uh, what would have been my eighth psychologist in 20. 20- 2017 or 2018, when I uh, she diagnosed me with autism.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: She so took a look at my symptoms and went, eh, you could probably be autistic. And then we did the test and it was like, oh no, you're definitely autistic. <laughs> uh, and then she retired. So I had to find somebody else. And the somebody else that I found who was also just absolutely brilliant, she went, you know, autism explains a lot of what you're going through, but it doesn't explain everything we should do an ADHD screener she did and it came back oh yeah no you're definitely ADHD as well and that screener was done right at the end of 2020. And how did it
0: feel when you got that ADHD diagnosis?
1: There were parts of it that were a relief um, it was nice to know that my life wasn't falling apart because I wasn't trying hard enough like I because I've was trying so very hard Um, but then it was also I I have since had to deal with an overwhelming amount of anger because the very first psychologist I saw at seven should have taken one look at me and said oh no this kid needs to be assessed for ADHD and Mm -hmm. autism because um, I now know that I presented in a really classic way uh, before I and that that was kind of before I learned how to mask my symptoms.
0: Talk to me about that masking symptoms. What did you have to do when you were growing up?
1: Yeah, so um, for anybody who hasn't heard the term masking before, it's basically a, a really elaborate um, social performance that you put on for people in various situations. So uh, for me, I have like, I have a performance for my workplace and I have a performance for uh, social engagements and I have a performance for being out in the world just generally. Um, Masking looks very different for everybody, but for me, it's plastering a smile on my face no matter how upset I am, um, pushing down any negative emotions to deal with later and uh, my... Whole voice changes, as do my mannerisms. I'm also like, I try not to, when I'm masking heavily, uh, I give the appearance of sitting still and not fidgeting. But if you look really closely, um, I wear a lot of jewelry all the time. You'll notice that I'm twirling my rings or like wiggling my toes.
0: All right. Well, that all sounds exhausting, Jen. Um, yeah. So once you got diagnosed, I assume you got on medication. How has your life changed since then?
1: I am a mostly functional human now. So before ADHD meds, uh, I was crying at least once a week due to overwhelm. I There was no chance of me keeping up with any of my emails Um I managed to attend work pretty okay, but that was at the expense of seeing any of my friends or keeping up with my the cleanliness of my house. Uh, and yeah, it's just been like a, a complete 180. I have a I have a social life now because I'm not overwhelmed all the time.
0: There are probably a lot of people listening who don't really understand ADHD or what it's like to have it. What's one thing that you would really like people to know about ADHD sufferers?
1: If somebody in your life has ADHD and they appear to be lazy and not caring, um, that is not what their internal experience is. Uh, Laziness is a choice and not caring is a choice. But the ADHD experience is very much, I care so much about this thing, but I can't do it. There is nothing in my body that will allow me to do this. So I suppose it's um, giving people the benefit of the doubt and acknowledging when they are trying as hard as they can, but that their 100% trying may not reap the results that you expect from a neurotypical person.
0: Well, a big thank you to Jen for coming on the podcast today and to Professor Mark Belgrove as well. Uh, I'm going to leave you now with some more comments that Em Rusciano made at the National Press Club where she spoke about the changes that need to be made to make life just a little bit easier for people with ADHD.
3: Hear me now, schools and workplaces need to shift their thinking and attitudes towards people who are neurodivergent. They need to implement strategies and structures that set us up for success. We also need proper government recognition and support. ADHD needs to be included in the NDIS as a primary... Where are my cameras? As a primary disability. There needs to be a whole makeover of the diagnostic process. And also, we need better access to getting a diagnosis. There also needs to be a total cultural and attitudinal shift within the wider community, and that's why I'm here today The message should not be that the neurodivergent community are lacking or less than, but that we are different and equally worthy. Specifically in relation to ADHD, the judgement from neurotypical people needs to just get in the bin. When we're not forced to try and fit into a framework and societal structure that was built for people who aren't like us, we can be pretty impressive.
2: I'll chat to you again tomorrow.